Welcome to the New Visionary Podcast, where you will hear conversations with artists and creative entrepreneurs from around the globe. From art and creativity to education and business, this podcast features discussions with some of the most inspirational visionaries in today's art world. I'm your host, Victoria J. Fry, and I can't wait to get started. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome back to the New Visionary Podcast. I'm really looking forward to chatting with today's guest. We have the wonderful Priya Vadyar on the podcast today. Priya is a visual artist and educator based in Ellicott City, Maryland. Welcome, Priya. Uh, thanks, Victoria. I'm happy to be here. We are so happy that you are here, and I can't wait to learn more about your journey as an artist and also as an educator. So I wanted to start just by asking you, you know, how, tell us a little bit about your journey as an artist. And, you know, that, that's usually where I like to start in these podcast episodes. Have you always been painting? And tell us a little bit about that. You know, it's difficult to put a number to that because, yes, I literally probably have, have been painting for all my life. But I think all kids do that. But, you know, I'd like to start, if I, if I may, uh, with something that really defined this entire journey for me. When I was five, or rather between the time when I was born and until I was five, my family, we lived in Indonesia. And when I turned five, we moved to Mumbai, uh, India. And that move created a very interesting situation in my life. In some ways, I could think of it as a, a triad of, or a, or a, you know, a, a mix of, of excitement and discomfort and curiosity. And I was, of course, excited because suddenly I had so many family members, new family members to, you know, be around. So many cousins and uncles and aunts. But there was the discomfort of figuring things out, going to a school, you know, new systems and new language, new friends. It was a time of really trying to find your foothold, you know, in all of that. And at the same time, I was intensely curious about Mumbai. I think that that the combination of being in a bit of in, in that uncomfortable position and also being curious led to something really interesting, which I think has influenced everything I've done since. It led to me being very, uh, spending a lot of time looking because I remember that we used to, my school bus used to take us from, from, our, from where I lived to the school. And on those bus rides to my school, I used to just spend all that time just looking out because I was just so curious about what this new place was all about. And I think that that act of looking was obviously driven by that discomfort of actually going to school, if that makes sense. So that act of looking gave me a lot of comfort. And this act of looking over the years, it became a habit of just looking out and looking at things. And over time, when by the time I was in my teens, that act of looking became a became a way of collecting places. I, I think of it as that, collecting places. So these were all places that were somehow very important to me. And I can't explain it. They were just regular old places. It's not that they were exceptionally beautiful. 
or anything like that it's just the combination of things and for some reason me attaching myself to them emotionally and so i thought of them as my places like as if they were my that as though they belong to me and i think that this is something that still influences my work that i do today so <laughs> so in a way my journey began began with that discomfort and curiosity that you know those two things that's beautiful i think that you know both of those things like being put in uncomfortable situations but also having a curiosity about the world around us is such an essential part of the creative process because when we're put in you know situations that are uncomfortable or that bring discomfort i think it really forces us to to stretch ourselves and to grow in ways that we probably wouldn't have otherwise and being curious you know that is like the most important thing for artists is to not just be curious because i think as children we are just naturally curious but to kind of hold on to that curiosity and preserve it throughout our lives and to really lean into that i'm a huge fan of um elizabeth gilbert who you know always talks about the curiosity driven life and her mm-hmm. um her speeches on that topic have been really inspirational to me so she kind of popped into my head but thank you for sharing that and how would you say your work has shifted and evolved over the years because i know that you are primarily an abstract painter and has that always been the case or has your work sort of abstracted over time no it did happen over time i think that one interesting thing is that i didn't go to art school i um actually have a masters degree in economics and i um, did some amount of academic work for a while until the day came when i realized that it was not sustainable because i was always leaning towards the arts at the same time so i was just not able to manage the two things together and i decided that i needed to just jump in and you know see what happens i guess so it coming to abstraction has uh, you know it took me a while i um i think that i i quit economics when I, it it was what 2005 i think and initially i i mean i was painting a lot and doing a lot of stuff but i'd say that it, it took a while because i first had to figure out what it is that what what is it that i'm about you know it took me a while to sort of translate that uh into a practice and so the first few years were just about experimentation i think i was trying all sorts of things and uh two things actually really made a difference uh when when i i think in two, 2008 i went for a silent retreat a vipassana meditation retreat and i think that that influenced uh in 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 many ways what i wanted to achieve in my work and so when i got back from that retreat it it led to this series of ink paintings that i made uh where again the focus was experimentation because i was just trying out different things but what became clear to me was a kind of way of working that i started to enjoy and the 
kind of work that emerged through that. Those paintings were, um, you know, very organic forms, very moody, very still, uh, kind of um, semi-abstractions, I'd say. There was a lot of emphasis on, in some ways, you know, being in a moment, being in the moment, rather, and what that means. It's like a, a captured moment. So that was one. The second one was that I somehow I, I brought a book uh, uh, that traced Georgia O'Keeffe's growth as an artist. And that, again, had a had a big influence on how I worked because reading about her development as an artist, her, her work that she did in New Mexico, all of those things made me see the depth one can achieve in one's work. And um, I found that quite liberating because it, it, it also meant that you can chart your own way, even though it may not be popular, even if it's not in uh, conjunction with, say, what's, what's going on at the time or whatever. You know, it's, it's about being true to who you are. So I felt that Georgia O'Keeffe, I think of her as an adopted grandmother. <laughs> and so my work is nothing like hers, but she, uh, her work definitely had a major influence on the way forward. And it's interesting because a year or two later, I moved to Tucson, mm. which I saw as a sign. <laughs> yes. Well, and so that kind of brings me to my next question. How did the landscape of living in Tucson impact your work? Oh my God, it was, that had a big influence on me. I mean, I mean, it's, I think in my work, it just, I think the places that I've lived naturally, I think tend to occur. I mean, I mean that very broadly, uh, but I think that the landscape of Mumbai is so different from that of Tucson that it was a very different shift and it took me a while to sort of really wrap my head around that because in Mumbai, there is a lot going on. It's like any other city that's, it's vibrant. It's, it, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of construction. Um, you know, buildings have, you know, scaffoldings on them all the time, everywhere. But all those buildings and the sky, they, they all create a, a very beautiful sense of uh, space, which I've always loved. But when I came to Tucson, I fell in love with the desert, you know, the sky. And I think that those two things, the the geometry of buildings and the the open land, those things, those two opposites are in me now. And Tucson was also important because that's where I met Josh Goldberg, who I think really brought me or rather helped me find my way to abstraction in the way that felt true to me. I think through that whole process of figuring my own way out and all of that, and then finally meeting somebody who was able to show me that perspective, you know, and show me that way to work. That is, I, I think, since then, after meeting him and studying with him, it has completely altered the way I work. And this was about 12, maybe 10 years ago. And, you know, I still look at him as a mentor. And there, you know, he's, he's given me like a sea of knowledge and 
wisdom through these years. That's so wonderful. And I think it just speaks to the power of how transformative it is when we meet, you know, another artist who changes the way that we see things. And ultimately, that makes a huge impact in the way that we create our work. Um, you know, even just thinking back to some of the professors I worked with in college or artists that I've worked with since then, you know, that just really shift your perspective and you see this change in your work and how you're approaching your, your yeah. art. Um, I wanted to ask you, because I know that in your bio, you kind of describe your work as interior geographies. That's right. And you mentioned that that is a term from Lauren Isley. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that. What, how do you interpret that and how does that relate to your work? Yeah. So what I'm interested in is, is one's interior landscape and, or, or rather interior geography as Lauren Isley calls it. And, and I think that the way he talks about it in his book, uh, I think Mind is Nature, if I'm not mistaken, is all those experiences that make up who you are and sort of lightening it to, to a landscape. And this landscape sort of defines the, the background against which you do everything. And it can be a dark place. It can be a place of ecstasy. It can be anything. And that can define who you are and, and what you do and how you do it. So this inner landscape and how it affects how you view the world, how it interacts with the, view, with the world outside yourself is what I'm interested in. So I think of it as, you know, the interior, land, the interior uh, geography and the boundaries of the self. That's what I'm interested in. What, so if you think about one's interior geography, in some sense, you're thinking of it as all that you've experienced that's within you. I ask myself, how does that interact with what's going on right now? What I look at, what I'm experiencing. So there's a constant uh, interaction between my inner world and the outer world. And that interaction and that wall, quote unquote, is what I'm interested in. And the study of this, I study this in some ways. I, I'm, I know I'm sounding like a scientist, but well, Lauren Isley does liken the artist and the you know scientist. They are on the same level, according to him. So I'll go with that. So I study this by or rather through the act of painting. The act of painting itself is how I, I think about this. And so when I'm painting, I usually begin without any ideas about what I want to achieve. So I have no plans. I have no idea about how the composition will turn out. I don't even know the orientation of my painting. So I'm just going in. I'm just jumping in, so to speak. And that means that the painting starts with a lot of spontaneous mark making. This spontaneous mark making, it leads to a, a lot of layers. There's a lot of layering that happens. And I work, some of my paintings take a long, long time to make just because I just keep adding layers and I'm interacting with the canvas as the composition is, is building up to sort of lead the way. So the spontaneity is how I begin. But over time, I start conversing with the canvas and with the with the painting. What happens at at a point of at, at this point 
in in the work is uh, a slow building that happens a, a lot of looking that happens a lot of times i will just sit back and just keep looking trying to look without judgment because obviously it comes to a point where nothing makes sense you know you are you're building it up from from the ground so from the ground up so it's it's and and you don't have a clear map so what it means is that i have to spend a lot of time looking at the painting and really waiting for that next inevitable step where the paintings you know it just it's very obvious to me what i need to do next and so i keep working in this fashion and actually in some ways i think of it as um, you know if i were to uh, give you an analogy it's as though you're walking you're walking through a forest and you don't know which way you need to go but you're just sort of trusting your instinct and you just you just keep walking and walking until you actually reach a clearing you reach a clearing and you can see the sky and you know that you've reached you don't need a map then anymore or anything you know you've arrived and that's exactly what happens with the work that you arrive and you know that you've you've reached the destination that's such a beautiful analogy i actually got chills while you were <laughs> saying that because that is i think one of the best ways that i have heard anyone describe the, the you know going through the stages of creating an artwork it's even if we plan out what we're going to paint or what we're going to create ahead of time it always shifts and changes you Absolutely. know and the artist knows that but i think especially when you are a more intuitively guided artist or painter you are relying on that sense of intuition and it really does become a dialogue a conversation between you and and the canvas like you mm -hmm. said where you put down you know a mark or a color and then you respond to it and then you put down another mark and you respond to it and it's so true it's this back and forth process until that moment where you just intuitively know that it's done that you've reached that final destination so thank Absolutely. you for that that was beautiful and I want to shift gears a little bit because I also want to ask you about your work as an educator. And I guess one of the main questions I have for you, I mean, there are so many questions I have for you. Um, but one of the first questions that popped into my head is how does how has your experience as an artist impacted your approach to teaching and the work that you do in education? Well, the one thing that I I think that has really influenced me with my teaching has been the fact that I um well for one I think I've had the privilege of meeting you know three three people really had a big influence as teachers you know in my life uh, one was Josh Schulberg whom I spoke about um but there were two other people who came in my life at the right time to remind me about something and um one was a tutor when i was maybe 13 or so uh, she was helping me with a couple of languages that i was having a tough time with and she was um one of the first people outside of my home uh, to really talk to me um you know because at home i had all the support i needed but it's another thing to go outside and find someone who is who seems to be equally invested in what you do 
and this this uh, tutor her name um, was chitra she um, would talk to me for long stretches of time about all sorts of things and really heard me out and i think that that was so g- sort of giving the other person your ear that and and that importance i think that respect you know even though i was just 13 you know i think that that um had a huge influence on me uh, at at the time and even now i think it you know it's something that resonates with me uh, and the other teacher that i i happened to study painting for a little while in nigeria with this artist his name is dise tantua and i remember that he told me something really important that the world needs all kinds of people and that we as artists we have to accept that we are needed you know and that what we do is important and all of this sort of comes down to this that i think that everyone i mean this is something i try to bring forth when i teach is that you have to take yourself seriously you know i think that there is a lot of emphasis these days unfortunately on like sort of proving yourself or showing that you matter and that you're really one of the few chosen ones and those kind of things and i think that actually it's the opposite i think everyone needs to take themselves and their lives seriously if that makes sense and their experiences because i think it comes down to your personal experience in your private moments that defines the kind of work you're going to do and every every class i teach i try to bring that context of the, the, you know the context of self reflection i think that that is very important to me as an educator and i and i that is something i always try to bring in that your experiences your own personal experiences in your life uh, are important and that you don't need to be xyz in order to make good art that you can start anywhere and your own personal experiences and how that translates is of course a different matter but at the first the first step is to completely accept and and know that what you have to say is important i think that's so powerful and as you were describing that you know i was thinking back to earlier in this conversation when you were describing your your approach to painting and your process and how you know you are often thinking at how your your work is really rooted in this idea that all of our life experiences contribute to how we are experiencing this very moment and how we're perceiving you know our reality and so it sounds like you're kind of bringing that into the work you're doing with your students as well and and self reflection is so important it's something that i didn't even start to integrate into my practice until much later on and even now i'm often thinking I should be doing more of it because it's often through those moments where we slow down and we're not actually making the work but we're carving out intentional time to reflect on the work we've made, why we made it, what it's rooted in that we can get to a deeper place. And I'm always thinking about how the work that we do for me it's this constant like quest to get to the deepest part of myself you know and i think i i'm trying to think who it was it might have been glennon doyle 
who describes this process as a kind of internal excavation. You know, it's like you're going deeper and deeper and deeper through the layers until what you are producing or the way you're living your life is so aligned to the core of who you are. And I think that self-reflection has such a pivotal part in that. Absolutely. And I mean, it's it's also coming back to, you know, what I was telling you with my my childhood experiences of looking out uh, to think that something so far back still has such an influence on how, you know, that's sort of like the basis of what I do. It it just reminds me again, you know, again and again that um, your lived life is is the the well you know that you receive from it's where everything comes from and it's 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 important to completely immerse yourself in the act of living i guess <laughs> yeah absolutely it's so important and you know it's it's something that i'm often thinking about too which is yes it's important to spend the time creating but actually time that we are outside of the studio just living all of that is like information that we bring with us when we approach our next painting so it's almost like i think we we tend to think of it sometimes at least i know that i do as very black and white like you're either creating art or you're not creating art but really it's like everything is a continuum is yeah it's all connected and even when i'm taking a walk in the morning and i'm taking photos you know, it's, it's for my painting or it's these moments that I'm finding that I bring into the studio. And and it's also interesting how the work you do in the studio, you bring that into your everyday life. You know, these, I think as artists, we often have these kind of epiphanies or revelations while we're creating and we bring that into our everyday life as well. So it is really all connected. And I think that's such a beautiful realization to have. I remember that during the pandemic, uh, during the first six months, my son and I would take these walks uh, near our home and we had these trails um, and um, it was such a dark time because, um, you know, we were all confused and scared and uh, there was no news really in the first few months about what it's going to mean. And the, 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 the moment, the, the time that really brought me so much was these walks I took with him. and. He was just two and a half years old. So he was, you know, obviously completely unaware of the situation other than the fact that he was not going to his, um, you know, his school. He was in a toddler program thing. So we would take these walks and every day those walks just put me back on an even keel. And it was essential to just keep my focus back on what you can do when everything else sort of is <laughs> belly up, going belly up. And um, so those walks were, again, a reminder to me about this continuum, you know. I wasn't painting at the time because I didn't have a studio. I was in between things. There was a pandemic and son was, you know, really tiny, not going to school. And so there was all of that. and. Those those walks really sustained me at the time as a creative act. I look at it as a creative act because here was this kid just running wild and we'd collect things, um, you know, flowers and sticks and rocks and look for spiders. 
and uh, so it's and i know that it's it's all settled within me in in that you know in all those walks they are within me because that experience was just so deep and so meaningful you know yeah yeah i love that you are describing it as a creative act because again i think this is where we tend to think very black and white about things you know like whenever i think about going for a walk i think about well it's time for me to reflect it's a time for or a time for me to clear my head but reframing it as a creative act and knowing that it's had it seeing the, the impact that it's had on your creative work is just such a beautiful thing and it goes back to what you were talking about at the beginning of the episode you know the act of looking and taking that intentional time to walk and just really tune into your surroundings um, and to notice the small details that's something i'm actually working on now when i take my walks is not to anytime i find myself getting in my head just trying to reconnect with the present and uh photographing my surroundings is actually really helping Absolutely. me because it kind of forces you to slow down and notice things that maybe you would just normally walk right past yeah i know we uh, i was doing that a lot too during the pandemic taking a lot of photographs just with my phone yeah and uh, funnily during that time my husband and i we were doing something called visual haikus uh, it was sort of like a kind of a competition between us <laughs> you know just a way of keeping things light as as best we could at the time so we uh, we were sort of competing with these visual haikus which were essentially three photographs that we were turning into uh, little collages and so we called them visual haikus uh, and uh, so yeah it was you know just these little things that we could do at the time you know yeah and it i mean this is something i say frequently but it's kind of like a mantra that i have adopted for myself which it, which is very much in line with what you're saying and that's you know it's not about um how much you have it's it's doing what you can with what you have and i think a lot of times you can relate that to any part of your life but for artists i especially artists who are also mothers or educators time can be one of the biggest constraints and for you during that time it sounds like you weren't feeling ready to paint or you know but for you engaging in your creativity was taking walks and it was the visual haikus and it was doing what you can with what you had available to you and i think yeah and i think that sometimes when we have limitations as well it can actually be a really good thing for us because it forces us to think creatively and find creative solutions to I mean who knows if the pandemic didn't happen you know it, of course it was a treacherous thing but I think the silver lining that came out of it is that we found creative we had to do a lot of creative problem solving absolutely and in fact during that time I was teaching a lot I wasn't yeah. painting as much because of just the situation but I was teaching Yeah. Uh, you know now and again i don't mean every day uh, but i was teaching workshops and i was doing this online and uh, again there was this uh, creative problem solving because i had to figure out okay how do i teach experimental drawing on zoom i mean it just seems so many art educators who are listening right now are <laughs> it just yeah i when i was asked to teach this and you know i was asked by this Uh, art center a pyramid atlantic art center 
whether I could do this. I said, I'll try. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I can do it, but I'll, I'll definitely try. And I must thank them for asking me because doing that was another creative act for me, you know, trying to figure out how to teach a class that is as engaging as, you know, if we were in a classroom all together, sort of seeing each other work and, you know, having that energy that you have in a classroom. How do you, how do you do that on Zoom? To me, it, it, the, the hurdle seemed to be that, you know, it would all be flat. Everything would be, you know, sort of one dimensional. And so thinking through that about how do I sort of bring everyone together? How do we feel inspired um, by our own creative attempts and also, you know, with the work that others are doing? How do you do that? You know, and that that trying to figure that out was uh, an amazing experience. I just loved working on those workshops. And I think that that was um, really an important step in, you know, in my, in my, in my own journey as a teaching artist, you know, realizing that sometimes these hurdles can create a new way of thinking. And, you know, and so I have, I have, contrary to, you know, the, the usual um, ideas about Zoom, I love teaching on Zoom. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, it was one of those things, and I can relate to you because I was also, I was teaching a bit during, well, I was teaching a lot. Yeah, that makes a difference. I mean, if you're teaching every day, and if you're on Zoom every day, then maybe, I think, for me, it was not so bad because I was doing it, you know, on and off. And even though I was teaching five days a week because I hadn't transitioned yet to full time with VAC, mm-hmm. so much of what you're saying rings true because we all, whether you were teaching part time or full time, we all as educators had to adapt, you know, to, like you said, this new way of thinking, which is per- put so perfectly because that's really what it is. It's figuring out how to work in a new way. And I think that so many of us came out realizing that we're actually we're more flexible and more adaptable and more capable than perhaps Mm -hmm. we even realized we were you know at first I think we were all thinking how how are we going to do this you know and then we figured it out and then we probably for many of us realized wait I'm actually pretty good at this and (laughs) and you know it's again creative problem solving it's finding that solution and um, many of us realized that teaching online, although it's not the same, it can be just as effective, you know, and and it's it's not a perfect model. And I think there's definitely something to be said for working with children in person. Nothing can ever replace working with kids or working with any, any person uh, that you're teaching in a physical environment. Mm -hmm. However, there are ways that you can do it to where you can still um, create really engaging content. Absolutely. That's, I think you summed it up beautifully. I mean, how can you replace in-person classes? No, you cannot, you know, because that energy is different, you know, but can Zoom or online classrooms, can they be a good second alternative? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something we realized that many of us hadn't even thought about before, you know? So it was a it was a beautiful thing that came out of it. But um, Priya, I wanted to kind of wrap up this 
beautiful and just deeply meaningful conversation with you by asking you, you know, what advice would you give to a painter, an artist, even a teaching artist who is at the very beginning of their art careers and is really wanting to reach a deeper place in their work? Because I think for so many artists, we are always striving to reach that deeper place and to create work that is authentically aligned. And it's it's something that's actually come up in a few podcast episodes. So I'm always curious to hear, you know, artists take, take on it. So what would you, what kind of advice would you give? Um, a couple of things um, just at the top of my head. I'm sure it's not going to be an exhaustive list, but <laughs> a couple of things. I think that um, in continuation with what we said earlier about taking yourself seriously, um, you know, in continuation with that, one of the most important things that a te- that an artist or a teaching artist can do is to really sort of dig deep into their own experiences and bring all that out. Um, and by that, I mean not only your life experiences, but think about all the books you've read over your lifetime. Think about what has really uh, influenced you and what has uh, influenced you, uh, you know, to do things the way you do do them you know so what makes you unique you know that's one of the most important things i can you know think of um because all of those things define your way which already exists it's not something that you need to um create now if that makes sense it's already within you and that's your starting point um already everything is there all that you need is already within you and that's your starting point you go with what you already know you go with the books that you've already read the music you've already heard um you know and bringing all those things into your work and that doesn't mean that it has to be a literal bringing into your work it means that you engage with them think about them write about them um and really live those things again in some way um because that's where your authentic self resides uh in all of those experiences even the ones that were not so pleasant uh when i think back about some of my own childhood experiences there were moments that were not so great you know like i said the discomfort you know but the discomfort the the way that it influenced how i move forward is i think what makes me tick if, you know and so there are all these little things that sort of make you who you are you know um i remember when i was um uh, about 7 or so my mom showed me how to draw a a cube and then from there how to make, turn that into a house you know to sort of do the three dimensional thing and i remember that experience so well because i found i thought of it to me it was magic because she sort of turned something like a regular square into a cube which you cannot really tell which way to look at it so you know it was um you know it it was just magical and i still think of it and i still see i see so much of geometry in my in, in my work and i do not think that these are coincidences these are echoes that come from your life and these experiences 
or what you see in your work. That's the first thing. And the second thing I highly recommend artists to do is to have a studio journal. And this studio journal is something that one keeps in the studio and something, a place where you actually reflect. It's a place where you really put down your thoughts and it could be about your day that you're having as an artist. Oh, I'm having a tough time with this painting or whatever. But it can also be other things that it's it's a place for everything to gather. So it could have all sorts of things that you're sort of working on, thoughts about those things. But it's essentially a place for everything to gather, for everything to uh, funnel down into one place. And I found that for me personally, that that has been a way for me to bring all that information that's within me, outside me, into a coherent place. And it allows me to sort of look at things from different perspectives. If I were to pick a piece of music that, say, I listened to a few years ago that really had, you know, it really set the mood at that time for whatever reason. And I think of it in the context of my current practice. What does it mean? It seems very a broad thing, but for the person experiencing it, a lot of things will occur to them. There'll be a lot of resonances from those from those notes, you know? And I think that channeling all this all of this is how one could approach the art making process. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the idea of keeping a studio journal, just a place to jot down thoughts and discoveries and anything that pops up into your mind, because I do find that it's hard to remember. You know, we have these epiphanies while we're working and we make these new discoveries and then we think we're going to remember and it's so easy to forget. So and it's also helpful, I'm sure, to look back and kind of see what you were thinking at that time. It's all part of integrating more self-reflection and, and more intention, I think, into your work and your practice. So Absolutely. thank you for the wise words, Priya. Thank you. It is such a pleasure to have you on today. And I could just listen to you talk about your approach to the creative <laughs> process for hours. Um, and it was just truly wonderful to learn more about you. So I will include all of the information about you in the show notes, but can you tell our listeners where they can learn more about you? So your website, your social media link, and that sort of thing? Sure. So my personal website, it's uh, just priyavadhyar.com. And you'll find me on Instagram at, at priyavadhyar. Um, and when you go to my website, you'll find links to my teaching website and Uh, all the rest of the information is on there about me so you'll find everything there wonderful thank you again for joining us and thank you thank you everyone for tuning in today thank you for having me victoria this is great you are so welcome and we'll see you next time Thank you for tuning in and supporting our platform. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes or tag us on Instagram. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.